Chapter Four of Cedric the Forester by Bernard Gay Marshall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynette Calkins. The Champion of Mountjoy. As Cedric of Pelham Wood rode with me into the courtyard, we met my father, the Lord of Mountjoy, coming from the stables. His favorite steed, a fine black stallion, Caesar by name, did suffer from a sprain he had come by at the tournament of Winchester and my father was much in fear would never again be fit to bear him in the lists or to the wars. We came forward but slowly, and Lord Mountjoy had ample time to note the mud-stained and foam-flecked sides of our mounts, the rents in my garments, and the bloody scratches which the forest boughs had made on our faces. Truly, I fear I made but a sorry picture, and tis little wonder that a frown was on my father's brow and a roughness in his voice as he called to me. "'How now, Sir Dickon?' hast thou ridden thy little mare through the devil's break and foundered her once for all and who is this fellow in rags and shreds of lincoln green that rides at thy side like a comrade methinks twere better if he kept his place an ell or two behind cedric's face grew red with wrath at these words but i hastened to answer before he could make utterance hold father this is cedric a forester of pelham wood and our good and true friend twice or thrice this day hath he with his good crossbow of which he hath a skill like that of old marvin himself saved me from death at the hands of the carltons by my faith sayst thou so my boy exclaimed father with a wondrous change of countenance then turning to cedric any who fights the carlton wolves is a friend to all true mountjoys come my lad thy hand and thy pardon if i did speak a thought rough not knowing thy deserts wert thou sore beset and did thy bolts make good men and quiet of some of those restless knaves some of them my lord will ne'er again rob an honest farmer of his stores or burn a woodman's cottage said cedric with a smile by our lady thou art a man and shall be a mountjoy if guerdon can keep thee cried my father but hold give thy mounts to the grooms and come to the hall tis ill talking with an empty stomach and a dry throttle and i'll warrant you're famished both there's a hot pasty and somewhat else to be found i'll be bound you shall tell me of this day's work by the board and the fire in the hall we were greeted by my lady mother who had heard somewhat of that which passed in the courtyard cedric doffed his cap when i presented him to her ladyship and bowed with a grace i looked not for and she did ask most eagerly if aught of harm had come to either of us being assured that we were yet whole of skin save for the woodland boughs she brought with her own hands a bench before the fire and bade cedric sit as she might have bidden any knight or courtier who visited the hall of mountjoy then she hurried out and bade the maids bring meat and drink of the best for our refreshment my father and mother sat down by either side of us as we ate and when our hunger had been somewhat dulled and the maid had been dispatched for a jar of the mountjoy honey which my mother so closely guards against the coming of noble guests I began the tale of the fortunes of the day. Thou knowest, father, that young Lionel of Carlton hath often sworn to have the lives of you and me for the check the Carltons had in their foray on Mountjoy in the spring, and for the bolt which came from Marvin's bow, which laid low his father, the old wolf of Carlton. Full well I know it, growled my father, and if he were aught but a beardless youth, I would long ago have challenged him to the combat when he hath won his spurs if he be still of the same mind 
I'll meet him with whatever weapons he chooses, and trust to put an end to his mouthings. That thou'lt never do, father, I cried, for Cedric here hath come before thee. This day, but half a league from Terramore, young Lionel did meet me as I went my way alone through the forest, and did curse and revile me and all my house, saying that we of Mountjoy were a race of dogs. This being more than e'en a Mountjoy can bear, I did challenge him to mortal fight, and we did meet with swords on foot there in the path. I quickly found that he wore, beneath his garment, a coat of linked mail, which shielded him from my thrusts. All his strokes I made shift to parry, and at last, when he found he could not reach me with his sword, he rushed within my guard, seized me with a wrestling hold, and flung me on my back. Then, kneeling on my chest, he placed a poniard at my throat, and sought to make me swear allegiance to the Carlton, acknowledging him as lord and suzerain. This I would never do, and truly I thought my last hour had come, for he had drawn back his dagger for the thrust, when this brave youth, coming through the woods with crossbow drawn, did see the Carlton's murderous aim, and let fly a bolt which struck him through the forehead. While I spoke, my mother had grown pale as death, and my father red with blazing eyes and angry, clinching hands. When I paused, my mother cried, "'O oh, Dickon, and hast thou no wound at all?' "'Not a nick,' I answered, though twas close enough in faith. But we had more to do in no time at all, for no sooner had the Carlton breathed his last than there came a riding towards us six stout men-at-arms of the Carlton livery. We took horse and rode for our lives, Cedric here on the Carlton's great war-horse, but my little Clotilde being no match for their long-limbed steeds, we should have been overhauled and slain had not Cedric twice turned on them with his crossbow, each time landing a bolt that sent one of the robber-hounds to earth. With that, and with hard riding through the woods where no paths were, we at last got safe away. Ah! Ah! cried my father joyfully, rising and offering his hand again to Cedric. "'Twas sweetly done in faith. Three of the Carlton hounds in one brief day. Whose son art thou, my friend, and where didst thou learn such deadly handling of thy weapon?' "'Elbert's son am I,' answered Cedric steadily. "'He is forester to my lord of Pelham, and last year did carry away the prize for archery at the Shrewsbury tourney. Since I could carry bow, I have shot as he did teach me.' "'What years hast thou?' Sixteen come Candlemas.' "'The very age of Dickon here!' cried my mother. "'Cedric, lad, does thy mother live?' "'Nay, my lady,' quoth he sadly. Two years agone we buried her. "'Then thou shalt come to live at Mountjoy,' she went on with bonny, flushing cheeks and bright and eager eyes. "'Hast thou learned thy letters? Canst thou read prayer-book or ballad?' "'Nay, my lady,' he said again with a blush. "'We of the forest know little of letters.' "'Then I will teach thee,' Thou art a mannered lad, and well spoken for one who knows not court or town. Thou shalt be a clerk, and thou wishest. No clerk shall he be, I cried. Saving thy pardon, good mother, he shall be my squire-at-arms. A man that fights as he shall be no shaven-pate. He shall teach me his craft with the bow, and I of him will make a bonny swordsman. What sayest thou, father? Have I not the right of it? My father did smile somewhat to see me so hot and eager in my plans, and truly I bethought me then that this lad, whom I was choosing for my comrade-in-arms, was one whom but three hours gone I had never seen, and that now I knew naught of him save that he fought well and truly, and with a wondrous skill of his weapon. 
yet looking at his clear blue eyes and his way of holding up his head as a freeman of england i repented me not of my words cedric was gazing at lord mountjoy and quietly awaiting his word while my lady mother glanced quickly from one to another of us when my father began to speak it was slowly and soberly enough not quite so fast sir dickon there's many a thought to be taken yet anent thy nightly training but now it comes to me that cedric here e'en must remain at mountjoy for some months at least if he would guard his life and limb after this day's work should any of the carlton men come upon him at a vantage his shrift would be short and no prayers said so it was settled that cedric should remain with us of mountjoy the next day a messenger was dispatched to elbert the forester with the news of his son's brave deeds and his present safety i lost no time in beginning his training for sword-play and he showed himself the best of learners within a week moreover he had shown to me some tricks of the crossbow of which i had never heard and fairly mazed our men with the marks he struck at a hundred paces distance already we planned a match twixt cedric and old marvin which should be a fate day for all the friends of mountjoy then came a messenger from shrewsbury where for the time the king made his seat bearing a scroll addressed to my father and sealed with the sign royal father read it slowly to himself as he stood with his back to the fire in the hall and the king's messenger was quaffing a cup of wine in the courtyard my mother and i waited eagerly to hear its contents cedric sat in a farther corner saying over to himself the names of the great letters which my mother had made for him on a sheet of parchment twas plain to see that the message was not to my father's liking for he scowled fearsomely as he conned the words suddenly he began reading it in a loud and wrathful voice and cedric dropped his parchment to listen to robert lord of mountjoy and knight of the holy sepulchre from henry king of england duke of normandy and lord of anjou aquitaine and gascony greeting know thou that there hath appeared before our court at shrewsbury elizabeth lady of carleton and terramore and relict of geoffrey lord of carleton deceased who hath on oath made complaint against thee thy minor son richard and a certain yeoman of pelham forest cedric son of elbert and now harboured by thee at mountjoy as follows that on saturday of october the twenty-second day thy son richard did ride in the forests of terramore without lawful right and leave from the holders thereof that lionel of carleton son of geoffrey and elizabeth of carleton aforesaid did meet with him and order him to leave those lands and return not that thy son richard did then and there attack lionel of carleton and while they did fight the yeoman cedric being a servitor and confederate of richard of mountjoy did most foully slay lionel of carleton by a mortal weapon to wit a crossbow bolt discharged from a point of hiding that the servitors of carleton did pursue and endeavour to arrest richard of mountjoy and the yeoman cedric the which they did resist with force and arms and that the aforesaid cedric did again from hiding strike down and kill two of the carleton retainers so that he and thy son richard did make their way to the castle of mountjoy where thou hast since harboured and protected them now therefore know that it is my will that thou repair to our court at shrewsbury bringing with thee thy son richard and the yeoman cedric and with not more than ten of thy retainers or men-at-arms that fair trial of this cause may be had before our presence on thursday of november the second day at ten of the clock 
and be thou here solemnly charged and commanded to desist from all violence and quarrel against the family of elizabeth of carleton or any of her servants and retainers and to cause all thy family thy servants and retainers to likewise refrain given under our hand and seal this thirty-first day of october henry rex when the reading was finished we were silent for a space my father pacing back and forth with roughened brow and mother gazing anxiously upon him at last he turned and said we must to shrewsbury tis the king's command and the mountjoys have ever been loyal vassals as none know better than the king himself what sayest thou richard canst thou tell in open court the tale of that day's work even as we heard it here that i can father i replied tis the truth and i care not who hears it and thou cedric he said turning to face the forester who had now advanced to my side darest thou to face thy enemies and ours thus remember twill go hard with thee if we fail to bring the king to see the truth o't he might order thy hanging easily as the whipping of a thief shall not i rather mount thee on the good horse thou didst win from the carlton with thy crossbow on thy back and a bag of gold pieces beneath thy coat and send thee to my cousin of yorkshire there to bide till this ill wind hath overblown my lord answered cedric proudly that were to save myself at thy cost the king hath commanded thee to bring me before his court and if thou fail he will visit his wrath upon thee i will not fly rather will i ride the good steed thou speakest of to shrewsbury in thy good company well said and bravely said my father with a note in his speaking which i had heard but once and that when an old comrade in arms whom he had thought dead in the holy land came in illness and want to our castle door now he gazed for a moment full keenly at the face of cedric then turned and hurried to the courtyard to give orders for the morrow's journey the king's court was held in the great hall at shrewsbury with such a brave array of lords and knights and men-at-arms not to speak of clerks and counsellors with their mighty gowns and wigs as was but seldom seen in our western country as i gazed at the king in his robes of state seated on the dais in the midst and noted his cold grey eye and the hard lines about his mouth my heart did somewhat misgive me for all my repeating over and over to myself that none could gainsay the justice of our quarrel a word overheard as we entered the hall had set me thinking deeply and though i feared not for myself i began to wish that cedric who now sat so uprightly by my side had thought fit to take the hint my father gave when first the summons reached us twas said that the king in his youth more than thirty years agone had known elizabeth of winchester before she was the bride of the lord of carleton that she had then been one of the fairest and proudest maidens in the kingdom and prince henry had felt for her more than a passing fancy however this had been and whatever its bearing on the day's fortunes it was now too late to do aught but await the event the herald was announcing the cause against richard of mountjoy and cedric son of elbert two of the carleton men-at-arms were sworn as witnesses and told the tale of the killing of lionel much as it had been set forth in the complaint of elizabeth their mistress they declared that when they first came inside of us the carleton and i were fighting with swords and hand to hand and that i seeming to have the worse of the fray did shrilly call to some one hidden in the tangle behind whereas a crossbow bolt came from this ambush and slew their master 
from that time on their tales of the day's doings kept near the line of truth and they did assert full stoutly their honesty in all this business when the king questioned them making twas plain to see no little impress on his mind indeed twas possible they believed the tale themselves it being to them most likely from the things that they had seen then was i called upon for my account and i did set forth all the things of that day from the time the carlton met me in the path forgetting not the foul insults with which lionel began our quarrel nor the hidden coat of mail with which he thought to shield him cedric with head held high and wide blue eyes gazing straight at the king next told the tale and his telling was closely like to mine when we both had done the king sat with his eyes on the ground before him and the hall was very still till elizabeth of carlton tall white-haired and queenly in silken robes of black rose in her place and stretching forth her hands addressed the king henry of anjou she cried elizabeth of winchester in her old age and sorrow calls to you for vengeance for her murdered son more she would have spoken but bitter tears streamed down her face and her voice was choked with sobs the king gazed steadily at the weeping lady and made as though to speak when my father started from his seat and shouted there was no murder done my lord the carlton brought his death upon himself the king turned upon him a stern and heavy look mountjoy he said wast thou there in the forest when carlton was slain nay my lord then knowest thou aught save what thy son tells thee of this fray with thy enemies nay my lord but tis enough the mountjoys fight their enemies and do not lie about them with a wave of his hand the king bade my father be seated then he sat motionless and thoughtful for long while none ventured to disturb him his brow was drawn as with pain and he rested his head on his hand the while we of mountjoy our enemies of carlton all the members of that brilliant company awaited his verdict at last he slowly lifted his head and began to speak i find the prisoners guilty of the charge that lies against them to richard son of robert lord of mountjoy i extend my clemency in view of the loyal and valiant service rendered by his father to our house commanding only that he desist from bearing arms till he receive our permission as for yonder varlet called cedric he shall hang to-morrow at dawn and his body shall swing from shrewsbury gate as an example to like evil-doers some of the clerks and constables strove to raise the shout long live the king but all became utterly silent when my father sprang from his bench and with a face of fury addressed his sovereign not so my lord not so by the holy sepulchre it shall not be the king sprang to his feet and his right hand went to his sword hilt mountjoy he shouted thou forgetst thyself beware lest thou bring down on thy head a wrath more terrible than that of any carlton by heaven my lord returned the lord of mountjoy in tones that matched the king's that brave youth shall never hang for having done a deed that should bring him praise instead i stand on my rights as a free man of england and demand the trial by battle there lies my glove tearing from his hand his leathern gauntlet he dashed it on the floor at the feet of the king all the assembled knights and soldiers drew a deep breath as one man there was a low murmur of applause for the mountjoys have many friends the king's hand left his sword and his face relaxed 
thou hast the right mountjoy he said then turning to the carlton benches went on is there any among you who will take up this challenge at this there started forth from a group of knights who had been standing a little behind the lady of carlton a man of middle age short of stature and of wide-mouthed ill-favoured face but broad of shoulder and with arms so long that his hands reached nearly to his knees like those of a great ape i had seen in the train of the cardinal i philip knight of lotier in gascony am cousin of elizabeth lady of carleton he shouted i take up this glove as her protector and champion then seizing the glove he tossed it high in air and while it soared aloft drew a long and slender blade from its scabbard and as the glove fell pierced it with a flashing thrust so that he held it high where all might see it impaled on the point of his sword so let it be said the king this cause shall be tried by wager of battle here and now sir philip de latier the conditions are at your will so they be fair and equal let him take a sword like unto this said de latier carelessly and if he chooses one a hand's breadth longer i care not then let him lay aside all other weapons as i do and i trust with the favour of heaven to be the means of affirming the righteousness of thy judgment with this speech he made a low bow to the king and another to the assembled knights and loosening his sword-belt handed it with his scabbard and his outer cloak to a squire then i found voice for a thought that had been boiling within me twere well my lord i said to the king to have this champion searched for hidden armour i have grievous knowledge that the carletons scruple not to gain that advantage some of the friends of mountjoy raised a shout ay well spoken let him be searched the king quelled the tumult with a royal gesture sir hugh of leicester he said to an aged knight of his train make search of both these champions and tell us whether they wear other arms or armour than the terms permit in the meantime my father had thrown aside his cloak and belt and his sword being far heavier than delatier's he had received the loan of a lighter weapon from one of the king's attendants sir hugh approached and lightly struck the shoulders and breast and waist of both the combatants and announced to the king that neither carried other weapons of offence or defence than the swords in their hands thereupon a space some twelve paces across was cleared in the centre of the hall and sir philip and lord mountjoy stood facing one another awaiting the word on a signal from the king the herald shouted and instantly the blades struck fire and the champions whirled about one another in mortal combat the frenchman danced and dodged with a quickness that minded me even then of the beast he so resembled my father had much ado to continue facing him and soon twas plain to see that the carleton champion was such a master of fence as would find few to equal him in all england his blade so flashed in thrust and parry that the eye could not follow its motions and my father of whom i always had thought as the finest of swordsmen soon had all he could do and more in defending his breast from the assault and had no instant's leisure to threaten his enemy half a minute had not passed ere the frenchman's slashing blade drew blood from the mountjoy's arm then from his shoulder and for one black instant methought the blow was mortal but for minute after minute my father fought on with lips tight closed and eyes that ever followed the hand of his enemy then i wondered if deladier with all his leaps and runs would not tire himself at the last and slowing in his thrusts 
give my father's slower-spent strength its chance for victory but again i saw how fast the mountjoy bled from the two wounds he already had and this hope flitted then truly in bitterness of spirit did i perceive how false and cruel is our vaunted trial by wager of battle here was my father a good man and true fighting to defend the life of an innocent youth and this dancing frenchman to whom the sword was as the wand of a juggler would soon kill him before our eyes that cedric the forester was guiltless of the treacherous deed with which he stood charged altered not a whit the devilish skill of the champion who fought to see him hang and if deladier overcame my father at the last and left him dead at the feet of the king the tale that i had told would be no whit less true for such an outcome verily at that moment my eyes were opened and thoughts came to me that shall remain while yet i live now the end fast approached blood streamed from my father's wounds and he breathed fast and thickly he scarce moved from his tracks save ever to turn and face his ape-like enemy whose blade flashed as swiftly as ever and in whose eyes gleamed a look of deadly purpose my eyes could never follow the stroke which brought to a close this desperate unequal combat what i saw was that the frenchman's blade had pierced my father's breast then all the saints be thanked one last fierce blow from the champion of mountjoy the instant was the first since the duel began when delatier's matchless guarding had not fenced his body from my father's thrust as quick as the light's rebound when it strikes the surface of still water was the mountjoy's return of the stroke he had received the next moment both the champions lay on the floor and king and knights and lords rushed forward to their succour delatier was thrust clean through the body and he never moved nor spoke but my father's wound though grievous it now appeared was far from mortal his enemy's blade not having deeply pierced him now he raised himself on his arm and claimed the victory for mountjoy and the right ten days thereafter we bore home the champion of mountjoy in a sumptuous litter which had been the gift of the king himself near the gentle palfrey which bore its van i rode on my faithful little mare for now we had no fear of lurking enemies by the open side of the litter and oft in gay and heartening speech with him who lay on the silken pillows within rode cedric of pelham wood on the captured war-horse of carleton and wearing full well and bravely a new-made suit of the mountjoy purple and gold end of chapter four recording by lynette calkins monument colorado